Well, we're leaving off our little series we've been in, which is kind of like a long series. We're in Timothy. Definitely going through Timothy far faster than the book of Revelation, though. Isn't that right? We're already in chapter 4. But we're not doing uh, Timothy today. We've been going through 1 Timothy. This is more of a topical message. And we had mentioned last weekend, uh, last Lord's Day, after we showed that video, uh, when I was talking about our evangelistic campaign this year, where we're, we're, we're always focusing around the world, and a lot of our stuff airs, like even this this uh, live stream to different places around the country and the world. And we're always trying to win souls wherever we can. And we're constantly getting feedback of the impact by the grace of God that the Lord is using the way he's using this ministry. But we're focusing a lot as well on Simi Valley this year where we live. And I've been doing a uh, lot of messages. A couple of the home groups chatted as well uh, on, uh, on evangelism, how to win the lost. And if you were in my home group or Chad, you heard a lot of messages along those lines. And uh, today, I'm giving a message along those lines as well. And it's called The Power of Your Testimony. The Power of Your Testimony. God wants to use you to win souls to Christ. The Bible says the, Bible says the soul winner is wise, right? We want to be wise souls, soul winners. And those who lead many to righteousness, they'll shine like the stars forever and ever. Uh, we need to be about our Father's business, amen? Shining the gospel, shining the light of the gospel. Winning souls. And it's about sowing seeds. It's about sharing the gospel with people, amen? So the name of this message is The Power of Your Testimony because I think a lot of times people aren't really sure how to share their testimony or they don't realize how powerful their testimony is. And you share your testimony, there's going to be fruit in time. And the enemy, doesn't, the enemy hates your testimony. And he wants to ruin your testimony wants to ruin your walk with Jesus so you don't have a good testimony. But Lord Jesus Christ wants you to use your testimony. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to testify about Christ and what he's done in your life. That's part of our walk. That's part of our evangelism. So a lot of times when people talk about evangelism, they oftentimes kind of narrow-mindedly think of it just in terms of world missions and going on a mission. And it's beautiful to go on missions. We encourage that. We have a number of people here Kelly, as she just walked in, you know, she's going to be going on a mission for some time in the Middle East for, how long is that mission trip going to be on, Kelly, perhaps? Long-term, meaning how long, about? For three years minimum, okay? Perfect timing, so I was just talking about. But a lot of times, people don't realize that evangelism is supposed to be happening all the time in our lives, amen? And you always have powerful tools at your disposal. You have the Word of God. You have, number one, uno, you know, the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes, to Jew first and also the Greek, Romans 1.16. Man, sometimes we hear the gospel so much, we talk about it so much, we get inoculated to its power. We don't realize how powerful it is in a non-believer's life and that we need to simply share it. So I want to talk to you for a little bit about the power of your testimony. I have a lot of scripture to cover. So last Sunday, I went a little slower I don't want anybody to get their brains around what I was saying. Well, these, this is a lot of stuff that's easier to understand. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit. Plus, I have a surprise for you, uh, you know, about halfway through this, the rest of this service uh, that I think will bless your hearts. But I want to encourage you to, you, Lord wants to use you and your testimony in regard to what Jesus has done in your life. Unless you're backslidden, then you need to get right with God, amen, so you can have a testimony. So you can be right with God, number one, and give him glory. Psalm 9 says, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned on Zion. 
Tell among the peoples his deeds. We're supposed to be telling people God's deeds. Psalm 9.1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we're actually given, we're given instruction by the Holy Spirit through Peter to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have and do so with gentleness and respect. So we're supposed to always be ready to have an answer. And I did a message on this during our home group Sunday about always being ready to give an answer. And I emphasized the word persuasion or persuaded throughout the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul and others were persuading them through powerful arguments that Jesus is the Messiah. And we talked about that. But I want to talk to you about your testimony. And there's a lot in Scripture that we can learn from in regard to how to give our testimony, in regard to the power of your testimony. And the enemy doesn't want you to hear this message. He doesn't want you to understand this message. He doesn't want you to realize how powerful your testimony is when you share it with others. So it's been my prayer throughout the day, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, use us, that we may testify in a stronger way for your glory, that we may lead more people to Christ. And I'd first draw your attention to Luke chapter 8. And man, there's a lot more than you might think when it speaks of, what, with regard to what the Bible speaks about in regard to giving our testimony. And Luke chapter 8 is incredibly powerful because in Luke chapter 8, Jesus and the apostles are encountering a demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man is literally cutting himself with stones. And we read about that in Mark chapter 5, verse 5. He's in the tombs at a graveyard, infatuated with death, cutting himself. And he, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus appears to him, comes to him from the ship when they've gone to the other side of the Sea of Galilee into the pagan area. And this man is naked, okay, sexually deviant. By the way, sexual deviancy, cutting yourself, infatuation with death. That sounds like a lot of popular music today, doesn't it? That's, that's, that's signs of demonic activity, folks. Don't be drawn to that. Amen? And it's interesting because in chapter 8, well, we read first, I'll read, uh, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, verse 30. Verse 31, they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. The demons did not want to be, Jesus to send them into the abyss, into the abuso, the prison. They didn't want to be imprisoned yet. So they were trying to uh, come up with some exit strategy, trying to negotiate with Jesus. Don't send us into the abyss right yet, you know. And Jesus granted their request because God had purposes he allows demonic entities to exist because we're being tested and the humanity is being tested. In chapter 8, verse 30, we read where Jesus says, what's his name? And he says, Legion. That's interesting because a legion, a legion, a Roman legion, by the way, the word legion is a military term. It's a company of soldiers, like we would think of the word battalion in English. And a legion could vary in number. Uh, a legion, a Roman legion, could be up to 6,000 soldiers. It's interesting that these demons use a military term. And, you know, and that makes a lot of sense because we understand, Paul says, that we are at war with these entities. Amen? There's a spiritual war, and these entities have this man bound, have him causing self-harm. No one can bind. They bind him in chains, and he kept breaking the chains. 
People that are under the influence of demons sometimes have supernatural power. We see that with pharmacaea, PCP, and other drugs. Many people have testified in law enforcement, emergency room, nurses and doctors, about the power that a little lady could throw six, seven guys around like it's nothing sometimes. Pharmacaea. So this guy is breaking these chains and everything, and he identifies himself as legion, so it's not him, it's these demons saying we are legion, which could be up to 6,000. Could have been more or less, because by the way, this is the words of a demon, so we don't look at this as gospel. The gospel is reporting what this demon said. But apparently there were more than one, because when Jesus cast these demons out of him, he cast them into the pigs. And how many pigs went off the cliff into the water? 2,000, it says. So looks like there were 2,000 or so demons, maybe. Could have been less, and the non-possessed pigs followed the other demon-possessed pigs over the... Uh, and they're about killing. They're about destruction. They already had the guy having himself. Then they had the pigs. They, they just, they're bent on evil. Mary Magdalene, you remember, was possessed. Do you remember how many demons she was possessed by? She was possessed by seven demons. Demons are very, very real. But Jesus has power over them. And we read in verse... 31, they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him not to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. I'm sorry, permit, to permit them to enter the swine. He gave them permission. Verse 33, and the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. We call the Sea of Galilee the Sea uh, sea is it's actually a huge lake or a small sea. Uh, but it's interesting here. It's in Mark 5.13 that you, you find out that there were about 2,000 of these pigs that were killed. Some people think that's where they first came up with deviled ham after they died, but we can't be sure of that. Uh, but there's a war that we're in, and Jesus set this guy free. The name of our campaign is Setting the Captives Free. That's the name of our campaign. You probably saw the t-shirt if you saw our video, a little short video on Sunday. It's called Setting the Captives Free. And we have a little guy in behind bars there, you know, a skull, a skeletal guy, because I wanted it to represent death. And I made that years and years ago, that t-shirt, when I had uh, contacted an artist that I'd seen some stuff that he had done against abortion. I liked it. And I called him up and I said, his name is Mitch. And I said, hey, Mitch. Can you, I, I told him how I want, I want a hollow eyes, I want a skeleton, I want darkness, and I want, behind, I want behind bars, you know, showing darkness and death and how they need salvation. And uh, that was SOS Ministries, or P2411, which Proverbs 2411 talks about, talks about rescuing those who are staggering to death, you know. Well, I would appropriate it now for setting the captives free, same deal. Jesus came to set the captives free, Amen. He's now ascended to the Father, but we are the body of Christ. Amen. We're his hands and feet. And we have the, the soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to be out there preaching the gospel that sets the captives free. All of us are former POWs, prisoner of wars, prisoners of war. Amen. The enemy had taken each and every one of us captive. Amen. And we've been set free through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And his glorious power. And in 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says, John says, that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? So we try to let people know when we're witnessing to them that, number one, they're under the wrath of God because they're rebelling against God. That's how we were. We're doing our own thing. Amen? 
But number two, they're also held captive by Satan and his power. And the gospel sets them free from Satan's power. Amen? And forgiveness comes through faith in Christ. And they're also set free from the wrath of God. And they're forgiven. Amen? So we're about setting the captives free. And it's interesting. You, you might be saying, well, what does this have to do with giving our testimony? I can, you see, you're emphasizing the power of Christ, Joe. That's great. But what does this have to do with about our testimony? This story has everything to do about your testimony. You know why? Because after this guy was in his right mind, and he could think clearly because the demonic entities were gone, no longer controlling him, and he was saved by the power of Jesus Christ. He implored Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus and follow him now and follow him in his ministry. But look what happened here, you guys. Look what happens to this formerly demon-possessed man. Look at chapter 8, verse 39. Jesus said, return to your what? Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. Wow. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? The guy could have thought, wait a minute, I want to follow Jesus like he's got these other disciples. How come I can't follow him? And Jesus determined, apparently, that he had something far more important for him to do at that juncture in his life because he could be far more effective if he stayed at home and evangelized his own household and his, and his neighbors in that town. And boy, oh boy, was that a good choice. Because guess what? He was known as the guy in the tombs, the crazy guy that's cutting himself. I mean, think if you went down the road and you passed up a certain corner over and over again and there was a guy that was almost totally naked. He was cutting himself, you know, and screaming out. And he broke it out of prison a few times or, or jail or he, they, they couldn't hold him. And you're like, man, the, the authorities keep letting this guy out. What's going on? Then all of a sudden one day he looks totally different. His eyes aren't wild and crazy and, and demonic and spooky, but he's in his right mind. He's gentle and loving. He's saying, this is what Jesus did for me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound by Satan, and I was set free. At first, you'd be wondering. You'd be tripping out. But after a little while, you're like, this dude's changed. You know, I would not be shocked if we meet people in heaven and we say, how did you get saved? Well, did you ever read about the demoniac at the Gadarenes? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that story. Well, I'm one of the guys that he talked to. I was living in that same village. He got saved, and he told us all about Jesus, you know. Wouldn't that be cool? What's the odds you run into? Well, since we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever, you probably run into a few of them, maybe. We don't know how many there are, but that's pretty cool to think about. I'm not sure how many got saved through his testimony or didn't or what have you, but it's exciting to think about. Now, it's interesting because the Lord wants you to share your testimony with family members. You're like, I don't know how to share my testimony. I don't know how effective it would be. Just start sharing what the Lord's done in your life. First, let them see the change in your life. First, let them see that you're no longer cursing. You're no longer snapping bong loads or doing meth or getting drunk or you're no longer uh, chasing uh, gals to have sex with them or guys or what have you or whatever you were doing before you got saved. Uh, you're no longer mean-spirited and bitter and angry and talking evil about everybody. But now you're praising God and giving thanks. You're no longer complaining about everything and everyone. Let them see a difference in your life because they sure saw a difference in this guy's life. And then let them know who changed you, who transformed your heart, that it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's powerful, man, because the world can't change the heart. Ultimately, only the Lord can. Amen? He's the only one that can forgive our sins, all of our sins, so we can get into heaven. He's the only one that can radically transform our hearts 
and make us new creations. If anyone be in Christ, the Bible says he becomes a new what? Creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? So shine the light of Jesus. And now how many wish the Lord would just take you home sometimes? I mean, when you see the transsexuals, the, the, you know, a New York marching, you know, I just did a whole message a couple months ago, right, on the whole woke agenda and how they want our kids, right? Well, pfft, guess what? I mean, just, did you catch the news? They had a big, uh, you know, a big march of transsexuals and uh, marching in New York, and they were shouting this slogan, you know, we're here, we're queer, and we're, gone, and we're coming for your children. We're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. Woo! And you might be, well, and they're trying to get out of it. saying, well, we're just playing in the stereotype. We're really not like that. Well, really? That's why you're connected to NAMBLA, you're, the, the, the radical fairies that helped get that march going is, started with, is connected to NAMBLA, National Man, North American, I'm sorry, Man-Boy Love Association, which you don't really see brought out in the news. Even in conservative news, doesn't usually point these things out. That's why you want to get in the Word, and you want to get in the truth, and you want to look at the truth through the Word, because God's Word is truth, amen? Then you can understand truth through God's Word. So it's really, we need to shine the light, though, because the media... The, the mainstream media and much of the talking head media that's conservative but it's not Christian isn't seeing the whole picture. A lot of the media is twisting the picture. A lot of conservative media doesn't see the whole picture. But we need to shine lights. The Bible says we're living epistles. We're living letters read of men. This guy became a, a version of the gospel. The gospel according to the guy who was formerly called Legion. What a powerful gospel message he was. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But praise God, man, we also have thousands and thousands of people that can give their testimony, millions, of what Jesus Christ has done in their lives. And it's hard for the enemy to argue, it's hard for people that don't know Jesus to argue with your testimony. Remember the guy that was healed, who was blind, and Jesus gave him, I say it again, they're all the, the, the Jewish leaders, are, he, he was, he's a sinner. The guy goes, I don't know what you want to say about him, but I know this. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. And what could they say? They were ticked off at that guy. But it was a powerful witness because there are those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And you can let people know, I once was blind. I was in darkness, man. My eyes are open. Now life makes sense to me. I was sharing with a guy today that came to my house, an exterminator. And uh, at least did he ever make it to your dad's house? Everybody's like perfectly on cue when they're walking in today. He did. Okay, did he tell you we talked about the Lord and stuff? Praise God. And I'm I thought, I'm going to witness this guy sometime, some way, somehow. And it ends up being that he's already a believer, you know? And uh, it was just exciting. And, and he's given his testimony. And I gave my testimony. And he's a young guy, man, just out of college, you know, and stuff. And, and uh, he talked to me about how, you know, uh, the Lord ministered to him. And opened his eyes. And he said eventually people started sharing with him when he was playing linebacker in North Dakota as a football player. And people that were, you know, like, you know, Christian Athletes for Christ or some, one of those groups. He goes, these guys were so nice. And they were reaching out to me and loving me. And they were sharing the word of God with me. And I goes, I don't even know if they realized the impact they were having on me. Because his word was so sharp. It kept hitting me so hard. I was like, this is the word of God. And that incredible effect in his life. And I'll get back to his testimony a little bit because it was pretty amazing. But you know, God, this guy was supposed to use his testimony, wasn't he? Tell him about the great things God has done in your life. 
Well, guess what? He wants us to tell people about the great things God has done in our lives. When's the last time you told a non-believer or even another believer just to encourage them what God has done in your life? Amen? That's so important. You know, get excited about it. Just say, I want to go share. Like Mark's doing right now. He's like, man, I'm going to go share my testimony somewhere. (laughs) He's like, man, I'm on fire, Joe. Thanks. Acts 4.13. I love this, man. Well, before we get to Acts 4.13, you know what? Listen to this. You've heard about the Good Samaritan. Do you remember the Bad Samaritan? We don't usually call her the Bad Samaritan, but the woman at the well who was going to the heat of the day when none of the other women were going because she'd been married five times and was the guy she was living with now. She wasn't even married to. Jesus pointed all that out. She's tripping out how he knows all that. Well, she realizes that he has the water of life and he's the Messiah. And she puts her faith in him and she goes and shares with people. And we read in John 4, 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Did you catch that? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that is in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did, she said. Wow, you guys. There are all kinds of people in heaven, millions, I believe, that are there. Man, Mark, you got a quick, short testimony, but it's powerful, I'm sure. I once was blind, but now I see, you know. Uh, back so soon, praise God, bro. So, but you know what, guys? It's a trip when you think about it, because... She's sharing her testimony. It says, it says, I love it. Many, they believed in Jesus because of her testimony. And every t- you're like, well, this Samaritan woman, she had a pretty dramatic testimony, though. Yeah, she did. That guy, Legion, he had a dramatic testimony. My testimony is not so dramatic. Guess what? Every single testimony is absolutely dramatic because every true Christian was once blind didn't know the truth, and now sees. Was once dead, and now is born again and spiritually alive, has come back to life. It doesn't get more dramatic than that. Yeah, there's different ways people went from darkness to light and from being dead to alive, but ultimately it's all the same in the sense that the lights went on because of the gospel and the power of Christ entered in our lives and we're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I love it, man. In Acts 4.13, we read this. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood, this is in the book of Acts when they're preaching the gospel and they just healed a man. And and it says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. I love that, man. Because they're like, these guys are untrained these guys have never been in our rabbinical schools. They're tripping out on them because these guys, these apostles, man, they are preaching with power. They're preaching with conviction. They're preaching in such a way that these guys are not, they, they, they're like, they haven't been to our rabbinical schools. They didn't take our homiletics courses. What's different about them? Why do they speak with such boldness? Why do they speak with such conviction? It's because they had been with Jesus. Amen. And guess what? You can tell the difference from someone who knows something about something and then somebody who's experienced something. Somebody might tell you about bungee jumping because they read about it off of a huge bridge or skydived. They might tell you about it. But somebody who's done it, their eyes get a little bit bigger and they get a little more excited because they've experienced it. Amen? And these guys had experienced Jesus. And I encourage you, press in to know the Lord. Let's press in and press on to know Jesus. Amen. 
and have a prayerful, prayerful encounters with him through seeking his face, through crying out to him, through dying to self, through allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us and allowing him to transform our lives as we take up our crosses, deny ourselves, and we meditate in his word and we're transformed by his spirit from glory to glory to be more like Jesus because they could see Jesus, these folks, they could see Jesus in him. In these guys, they can see that they've been with Jesus, amen? So your testimony becomes more and more powerful as you spend time with Christ, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time in the Word, because the Word is the mirror that transforms us, amen? Christ transforms us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So I love that they had seen that they had been with Jesus, even as Moses had spent 40 days with the Lord on Mount Sinai. And when he came down from Mount Sinai, what was happening with his face? It was glowing, and that was the Lord saying, I'm going to give you my law, right? Well, these guys had just spent three years with Jesus, 40 days after the resurrection, and their lives were growing, were glowing in Jesus, man. And they were bringing the new law, the law of Christ, amen, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with him. When I was sharing with this gentleman I met today, Mike's new exterminator, uh, it was cool because he was like, when I was sharing with him, I was sharing my testimony. He was telling me, I could see Jesus in you. I could hear the word of God in you. And that encouraged me because I'd just been praying, Lord, please, let the, let you, may you be seen in us as believers. May you be seen in my brothers and sisters at Blessed Hope. May, may our testimonies radiate and affect the world and all those who are touched by this ministry. May we press in and know Jesus. May we live godly lives, right? May we live lives that are exemplary, that point to Christ. Amen? May we not bring disrepute. Don't live an immoral life. May we not bring disrepute upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when you look at Paul's testimony throughout the book of Acts, you know how many times you read Paul's testimony in the book of Acts? Three times. Three times you read his testimony. It's powerful. The first time you read it, you read it by Luke. Luke gives his testimony because he tells us his narrative, how Paul was killing Christians when he was Saul and how he became the Apostle Paul and how a bright light, Jesus appeared to him in a bright light. And Paul was blinded by his glory, right? For a few days, he couldn't see. And he was having Christians killed. And then we see two other times, two other times we see his testimony. Beginning at chapter 22, before a big crowd, Paul gives his testimony. Now, Paul would constantly use creation and prove God's existence through the things of creation. He constantly used the Old Testament prophecies as evidence that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. We need to do all those things. Lift God up as the creator, amen. Lift him up as the redeemer. Lift him up as the Messiah that's come to fulfill his word. Paul constantly did Peter and the apostles testified about the resurrection of Christ. We have evidence that he is risen through the testimony of the apostles. The miracles in his life and lives of others are also testifying of Paul. But you know what Paul did three times? He did it twice. Luke did it once. Three times all together we see Paul's testimony. And he talks about how he, and, and, and when he gives his testimony, he talks about how he was having Christians killed, that he had letters, and he would go to the, find the Christians, and he'd, try to, he'd drag them out of their houses and try to get them to blaspheme God. So when he gave his testimony, he talks about how bad he was. But then he talks about how good God was and is. Amen. So when you give your testimony, you could say, hey, I would, th this is me before I got saved. But this is what God did for me, amen? You don't want to dwell only on where you were. You definitely don't want to glorify where you were. You only want to show you where you were to show you, to show how deep and dark and ugly that hole was to give God glory for dragging you out of it, amen, and saving you out of it. Then you want to give glory in your testimony to Jesus. In fact, I wasn't sure what to name this title, this. Either uh, how to give your testimony or the power of your testimony. I gave Jonathan back there a choice. 
said, you pick which title you like better. He picked the power of your testimony. But it's both. Your testimony is so powerful. But when you do give your testimony, you want to say, hey, I was blind, but now I see. You want to tell both parts of it, amen? You want to make sure you don't get the glory, that you give all Jesus all the glory for saving you, amen? Because we don't, we just deserve, I always tell you, the only thing I deserve is death. The only thing I, I've accomplished in my life apart from Jesus is sin. But the saving is all by his grace, amen? All to his glory. So we read about his testimony beginning in 21, verses 37, and chapter 22 through 21. Uh, when we read Paul before the crowd. So Paul talked about Jesus' resurrection. He talked about him being the Messiah, but guess what? Sometimes he just shared his testimony. That's what God's done in my life. And we also see him do that with King Agrippa in, in, check, in Acts chapter 26. In verse 18, we read that he said the reason God saved him was to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So he also says, this is the reason God saved me. In fact, I like to give other people's testimonies a lot. I give my testimony, but guess what? Sometimes I share other people's testimonies. You know whose testimony I share far more than I share my own testimony? Is the Apostle Paul's. How often do you hear me? Paul didn't just, you don't just see Paul's testimony three times in the book of Acts. You see it throughout the New Testament letters. And one of the times you see it is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, 15 to 16 or so, where he says, it's a faithful saying that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of which I am the chief. Paul said he was the worst of sinners. And he says, God saved me to show others that if he would save me, that he could save anybody and would save anybody that would come to him, amen, through Christ. That's why I share Paul's testimony so much, because it's powerful what God did in his life, he was a non-believer that, that hated Christianity. He persecuted, as he said in one of these places, the way, meaning Christ, Christ the, God, the, the church, which was called the way in the early church. But he says it was to turn people from Satan to God, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he says, he saved me to show others that they didn't have to doubt whether God would accept them. Because if he saved me, the chief of sinners, he surely would accept them. Because he gave himself a ransom for all, he says a few verses later. He wills that all will be saved and come to knowledge of the truth a first few verses later. And to pray for everyone because God wills that all will be saved a few verses later. Isn't that a comforting thing to know? That you don't have to wonder if Jesus died for you, loves you, wants you. Paul's exhibit A, the worst person in the world he saved to show you that he'll save you. He loves you. Amen. So I share that all the time because it shows the power of God. It shows the love of God in the gospel. And I think it's just so incredibly beautiful. So I want to encourage you guys. And what was a trip is I was preparing for this message. And our new Lisa's like, I got to go to my dad's house and take care of a bunch of stuff over there. Her dad died, so she's taking care of all that. And I was like, okay. And then she said, you know, we got a huge gopher problem, right? And it's a long story. But anyway, this guy comes over, you know, and I'm, and I'm starting to talk to him. And I'm sitting in like maybe probably, I don't know, probably an hour and a half talking to this, this guy. Uh, and it was a good talk. And I said, usually I couldn't talk to you this long. I go, but my message is half as long as usual tonight. And he shares his testimony with me. A Jewish guy like Paul doesn't know Christ, and a light appears to him like Paul. And he talks about how he just heard the word of God coming to him. It stunned him. He's like, and he was partying and everything, and he was like, what in the world was that? And it took him a little while, but he started to grow and then people started sharing the gospel with him. And he came to Christ. I go, you know what? I don't know that I've ever shared a message on how to give your testimony before. 
I talk about our testimony at times, but the whole message on it. And I go, and the message, the, the testimony I've been looking at the most today is this Jewish guy who uh, Christ appears to him through a light. And you just shared that as your testimony to me at my house in my backyard today. Interesting. This is how God works. But man, in the end of days, your testimony is important, man. It's important right now. But in Luke 21, Jesus says in Mark 13, don't premeditate we're going to say when they bring you before kings and leaders because the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. In Luke 21, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ says, he says this, he says, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. And we're always like, what are we going to do as Christians in the end times go, where are we going to hide? What are we going to do? Guess what? Guess what I see the, early, the last days Christians doing? Giving their testimony. I see in Revelation 6, 9, under the fifth seal, uh, they were killed because of the testimony which they had maintained. I see in Revelation 12, 7, that the, Satan goes after the believers and those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. I see in Revelation chapter 21 that those who are beheaded are beheaded. Verse 4, Revelation chapter 20, I'm sorry, verse 4. They're beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 12, 11, and by the word of our testimony, it says, and we love not our lives unto death. It's 8 o'clock. I'm bringing Tony up. He was going to give a, potentially a testimony at the men's retreat, but we filled up all the spots. So I said, hey, you want to do it next year or you want to do it on a Wednesday night? He said, I'll, I'll give it on a Wednesday night. So he has from 8 to 8.30. And welcome, bro. Praise the Lord. We love you, brother. Praise God for you. Father, use his lips and testify of what Jesus has done in his life. In your son's name, may you receive glory. Amen. Love Amen. you, bro. Praise God, brother. So, how is everybody? Good night. So, um, I didn't really know how to evangelize when I first became a Christian. But then, like the brother said, I, I do have a testimony. And that's mainly all I do. I don't go sharing every and each person I see, but every day in the morning I say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me glorify your name. And if I can work for you, please don't let me go to waste. I have been born again. Give me work because I have children, but I want to see your face. So every now and then, uh, you know, not every day. I love to say it's every day that I go share my testimony, but every now and then I get this move. I get a phone call. There's people, I'm a handyman, so I get phone calls all the time. They, they won't work. And usually when I get those phone calls, it opens up. I get to share my testimony. And I feel so happy. I, I literally cannot explain. But it's better than drinking. It's better than drugs. I, I was an addict. Uh, I grew up in Mexico. Uh, when, we, when I was 15, I came from Mexico. Uh, we had nine, nine guys with AK-47s just breaking to the house, take everything but the beds and uh, clothes. That was it. And so my dad said, you know what? We got to leave. So he brought us to the United States, all of us. When I got here, I was closer to evil than I was in Mexico, I think, because my, my sister-in-law, she was doing Santeria. They disguised it as Catholicism. Uh, we grew up Catholic, so... You know, you see the little uh, statues that they have, and it's, it's all normal, you know? But, but when they come together, somebody gets possessed. Like a person that you know will get possessed, 
And then you say, uh, well, that's my sister-in-law. How, you know, what's going on here? It's too funny. But then they pull you aside. They, they tell you something only you know. Once that happens, they get you to open up. And then more people start to get possessed. And they ask for worship. You know, you can only, you should only worship God, first of all. No saints. I wish I'd known this before. Because I went through a lot of hardship. A lot. About 10 years in, in I wish I'd known better. Uh, throughout the Santeria, uh, part of my life, one night, just my sister-in-law became demon-possessed. It was 3 a.m., normal night. She was about this big. Me, me, my brother, and my cousin were bodybuilders. And at 3 a.m., she just yelled, wanted to jump out the window. And I saw my brother wrestling with her. This little thing was just moving on like ragdolls. And I was so scared. The air was thick, hard to breathe. Uh, they had a two-year-old son wouldn't stop crying. So, so you know the cry of a little baby, how it gets to you. So I got to the room, and I started praying. It was a Catholic prayer, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but what I remember is that as soon as I said, in Jesus' name, amen, the air cleared out, and the kids stopped crying. Amazing, right? Like, I should have gone and prayed for her, but I didn't. I was scared. I, I went to my room, and I went under the blankets, and just waited for the sun to come out. Uh, after the third day of her being demon-possessed, I just left all the way to Oklahoma as far as I could. <laughs> I didn't want to know anything about that. Um, she was demon-possessed for three months. They would bring uh, pastors, uh, Catholic priests, Santeria people. I don't know how she, she let go of that, but um, that wasn't my concern. My concern was, uh, how, how can I get married, you know? how. If this can happen to my brother, it can happen to me. So, so what do I do? So sadly, I was too much into the occult, so I started reaching for the occult. I started hanging out with the craziest of people. You know, they're the ones that read those books, people that have no structure, that have no Jesus. I, I wish somebody would have witnessed to me. I probably would not have gone through all that pain, through all that suffering. I, I prayed. Jesus answered my prayer. The demons went. But I didn't know. I didn't know that's what was going on. You know, it's the, the power in the name of Christ. And we should use it more often. We should go talk to everybody. We're all smoke passing away. And everybody that doesn't have Christ is perishing. Everybody that we know. So we got to have the fear also that the people that come to your life, they're there for some reason. We all have this group of people that come and go, but they're always in our lives. And I have it in my heart that, that that's your ministry. And you should try it one time or another. Sometimes they're too proud to hear it, but um, you should pray about it. Always pray about it. So anyway, I'm in Oklahoma. No parents. Trying to forget about this crazy thing that happened in my life. Drinking all the time. Uh, and people were just doing drugs. And they were doing silly things, you know. But when I tried it, I actually had visions. So then I started to seek those visions, so I tried everything on the book. And uh, every time I saw something different. So it's more like you're being led. There's, there's a voice that you hear, and he says, why don't you try this? And then it's up to you to say yes or no. When you don't know any better, 
Do you always say yes? Depending on how lost you are. So one time I spent a whole weekend um, high on meth, no sleep for the whole week, the whole weekend. And when I got, got back home, there was a gnome clinging to the door. And he was following me with his eyes. But I was high on drugs. I expected that to happen, you know? So I went hang out with my family for like an hour. They didn't even know that I was high. I come back, and that thing's still there. And I would just let it go. I knew what I was doing. So I saw a bunch of crazy stuff like that, and uh, I was always seeking, how can I cast out demons from my potential wife or even family members? I want to heal people. That's what I want to do. I want to heal. I want to get all these powers. And, you know, there's power in the name of Christ. All of those things happen if you, if you pray, if, if you're genuine. But I didn't know. I wish I'd known. I wish somebody came and witnessed to me. Um, so then after that, I started to get heavier. I got uh, into harder drugs, harder visions. I would take a bunch of pills and uh, kind of just unable to talk. I felt like I was letting go. And I would hear this voice. I would say, do this, do that. And then it would let me into doing things like feng shui. You know how the, the old Chinese people do. And um, one night he said, um, your parents don't love you. You should just run away. They don't love you. And I was like, I think, I think they do. I think they do love me. So I went like this, walking, trembling, knocked on the door. And I said, Dad, Mom, I'm talking to a spirit. And he says that you don't love me. Can I sleep with you guys? And they say yes. They say yes, so I cuddled in their bed. You know, for I was uh, 18, 18 is 19 maybe. And they let me sleep in their bed just to show me they love me, you know. I told them I was on drugs. I told them I was talking to spirits, but they still allowed me on their bed. After that, if, if they would have said no, it would have been a whole different story because then I got reassured. I am loved. So you're lying. I, that was a lying spirit. I didn't know there was lying spirits. Nobody told me. I wish I'd been more in the word. Uh, so that was the one time that he talked to me. The second time, he kept on pushing to, you got to learn to read the tarot cards. That's like Chinese. So, so I, would, I would refuse. I just like the partying, the drugs, the hanging out with friends, girls, you name it. Um, I was looking for acid for like two years. Nothing. Nobody had it. I always work hard, construction. I spend all my money in drugs or, or alcohol. You know, I never said anything. I, I would just spend it with the friends I had at the time. You know, you call them friends, but they're not. They disappear as soon as you become a Christian. One day I got a tarot card set, and I got the phone call. We got the acid. What a coincidence. You're opening up to read the tarot cards. The acid is there. So then I get the thing, and I start reading the book. You know, I took them, and it was like I was over, like right now. I didn't, I didn't see anything. In fact, I was so used to smoking weed and doing drugs that I wouldn't even get high anymore. And so, next thing you know, a demon head just pops from the carpet. It was kind of like glass with the colors of the rainbow spinning, spinning counterclockwise. I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, how, how dead can you be to see a demon and not be scared? Right now, we just, oh, I mean, start praying, but, <laughs> but I didn't know that then. So, more. Just fill that entire carpet. 
So I got on top of my bed, and there were the scales of a huge snake just moving around the room. And he just looked at me, and he started talking to me. It was a familiar voice. Uh, he, he went something like, put the cards like this, because these cards represent all the mistakes that people make. And everybody goes through the same thing. He stayed up till the sun came out. I, I wasn't trying to ask for anything, you know. Uh, but I wasn't scared. And so by the end of that night, I knew how to read the tarot cards. And that wasn't even the, the, the big part, because at this point, I'm just a druggie in my room. Doing drugs, I, I would rather stay at home on the weekend, get the craziest drugs I can find, and just have visions. But a week after that, I go, I go about my same business, you know, go buy my, my pills, uh, do my cocktail of drugs, and I'm going to stay the weekend. And the same voice comes back, and he says, uh, call Alfredo. I knew Alfredo. He was a tattoo artist in Venice. He's still there. And uh, 3 a.m., I call him, and I say, uh, hey, the snake told me to call you. And Alfredo says, you crazy white boy. I don't know anything about that. But my brother does. He's in Mexico celebrating Day of the Dead, the rituals at the pyramids. I was amazed that it clicked. You know, it, it was something beyond me now. So it clicked. There was a person coming in a month, and they were going to test me. So as the month went by, this guy comes, and he tests me. I tell him, just the snake appeared, and he was teaching me how to read the tarot. So he tested me if I could read the tarot. And so I could. So he gave me this color uh, made out of uh, jade and a snake head with garnet eyes, red eyes. He just put it on my neck and he said, uh, hopefully you can uh, withstand the, the vibe. They, they call it vibe, but it's demons. It's literally demons. And, and after that, he showed me what, what the color could do. He could literally look at me mad and choke me from, from afar, like you see in Star Wars and all that. And you start to see, you start believing. Uh, I forgot about Jesus back then. You know, I, I cast demons in Jesus' name. And I forgot all about that. This other thing was more uh, attractive because there was drugs. You know, you could lie. Anyway, so for about a year and a half, I was a Mayan priest, learning how to do uh, dances, read the calendars. They taught me uh, astral projection, all of these crazy things that, that, that the, the devil has. They said, uh, you can heal people now, but everything that you heal is going to come to you. So I said, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, I never told anybody that. But, um, and even my testimony, I, I never talked until I was born again. I, I was so afraid that they would come and kill me. I was afraid to die. I had been run over uh, three times hit by a car. And I was fine, never broke a bone, but I was scared of that. And um, so with these guys, we would go to the desert, to Joshua Tree, a forest, get mushrooms, get, you know, I, I feel guilty talking about what I've, what the things I did, because I don't want anybody to, uh, to do them, you know? It's, it's all devil worship. So the first time we went to the desert, it was just three of us. A guy got possessed. They call him, uh, I don't even know if I should say the name. But um, a person got possessed, he's very big on uh, Guatemala. 
And uh, you can only have that person possess if there's alcohol, if there's smoke. So I, with my eyes closed, knew when the cigarette was dying, so I would give him a new one, and he give me the dead one, grab the beer, open it, get the, the, old, uh, the old one. And he noticed, and he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm Tony. And he said, have a, have a drink with me. So I drank of his beer, and I didn't know what that meant, but I drank with his beer, and he said, well, whenever you see somebody from Guatemala, tell them you drank with a Satan, basically, a different name. And so I didn't know that was a marriage. That's a Jewish marriage. Uh, Brother Joel told me, I mean, on one of his messages, he mentioned it. So he wanted to make a marriage with me. Uh, Praise the Lord, he had different plans for me. So, so after that, uh, same thing, just a year and a half of going to do rituals in the desert, forest, crazy things. I, they would give me the craziest drugs because I would have visions, and they liked that. Uh, they taught me how to do the dances. Now I do not go when they do the traditional dances because they taught me that every step that they do is a ritual. So it's, they're invoking demons when they do those dances. If you see people with the feather things, all start praying, you know, cast them away because it works. So anyway, I'm learning all of these things. I was 2012, so the whole Mayan thing was big at the time. And I was very into it. And so one day I was just going to get out of my body, go travel around the neighborhood, you know, it's called, uh, whatever that's called. Um, but it didn't happen. I got grabbed, dragged. All I remember is seeing clouds around me. And then when I was conscious again, I saw people dressed like in the Bible. They were looking down at me, wagging their fingers, one of them mostly. And... All I could remember is he said, you're going to have to carry your cross. And then he sent me back to my room. I was on the floor, puked and crying. I thought, uh, I met Jesus, and, uh, and he's mad at me. So I kept thinking, uh, Jesus is real, but I've seen these other things, so this is also real. So I kept on resisting. I kept resisting. But they didn't want me. The people that I was doing rituals with, they didn't want me. The teacher was so frustrated that he yanked his man bun out of frustration because he couldn't command me anymore. Uh, something was happening, and the rituals, the person that would get possessed wouldn't get possessed, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And all I remember is one night, I don't know if you guys had a, have had a sleep paralysis where you're sleeping and you try to move, but your chest is pressed. I did not know Jesus. Not in the way I know him now, but when I had that happen to me in dark, I said, uh, what did I say? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know that worked, but I rebuked them in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. So the thing that was holding me down smirked. He had pointy teeth and disappeared, and then that's the first and last time I got that happen to me. But then they knew. The person that, the people that I was working with uh, at the beach, they wanted me out of there. So they threatened to kill me. They wanted to kick me out, you know, like a figure of speech. Like they're talking about something, but they make it seem as something else. But if you're within the group, you know what they're talking about. I had a couple deaths, so I wanted to clear my name before I walked away. And I cleared that, walked away. 
and I was just in my room for a whole year. I didn't, I didn't go out to work. I didn't do anything for a whole year. I was so scared. One of my neighbors invited me to play a, at a Catholic, Catholic choir. So I took my guitar, you know, for a year I played with them. But I was empty. I would walk in, walk out the same way. Nothing. There was nothing there. And I was so annoyed. Kept on, like, I knew that Jesus was real, but I wanted more. You know, I wanted the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that then. So I prayed. I would say, Lord, I know you're there. Show me what's next for me. And, uh, and it would. There was a couple of kids playing with us, and they were just looking at each other endearingly. And that filled my heart again. I could feel. So I was like, okay, this is next. So I prayed, Lord, if this is next, bring me a wife. I, I, I don't want to date around because I got cheated on with every girlfriend I had. So. I didn't want to date around. I said, give me a wife. I'm ready. And if you think I'm ready, let it happen. So then I had a bunch of girls called. They wanted to go party. You know, I was known for partying. And uh, Vicky wanted to bring me to church. So I said, okay, I'll go to church. But then I wouldn't. So the week I actually gave in, I came to Blessed Hope. And... Uh, after the service, I thought Joe was very, um, I liked it, you know, very fast-paced. Like he said, when you know, people know that you know what you're talking about. So after service, I felt, I got to tell them I met Jesus. She took me to a couple other churches, and I never felt that, but with Joe, I was like, okay, I'm going to go tell them. I, I waited till the service was done. I came to him, and I said, uh, hey, I met Jesus. He said, how do, you, how do you know you made Jesus? How do you know you weren't misled? And I told him, um, I don't know. Only thing I know is they say, you have to carry your cross. So then he told me, if you would have said anything other than that, I would not believe you. But this is my message last week. You have to carry your cross. <laughs> and I thought, this is, this is the real. So I gave it another try. Then the following week, I started studying the 62 weeks of Daniel because I saw somebody on TV say that that's a very controversial, controversial topic. Uh, not everybody gets it right. Uh, so I thought, I'm going to come to this church all the way from Culver City to Simi Valley, and I'm going to talk to this pastor, and I'm going to check that he doesn't have it. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. He, I, I never talked about my testimony until I was uh, baptized. Then he started just filling out. So I come, I come to church late, as always, you know, not used to waking up early, not used to driving an hour away. And he was already preaching about the 62 weeks of Daniel. So clear that I can now tell you uh, what a Shevuim is and, and the timing when the Messiah was going to be cut off. I, I told Vicky, you talked to Joe, didn't you? Said, no, that's the way it goes. So the following week, I did the same thing. Walk in. He's already preaching on what I had studied. I would stay up till 3 a.m. Vicky wasn't talking to him. So after the third time happened, I just gave in and I came and asked him, hey, when are you going to do baptisms? I need to be born again. I just really need it. And the time in between, I was still an alcoholic. I was still trying to do it all on my own. I couldn't. I came home drunk. We already had Sophie, a baby. And I came home drunk, and Vicky, instead of uh, fighting me, like every Mexican mom I know, 
She just didn't say anything, turned around and went to sleep disappointed. And I already thought I saw Jesus, so I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my baby. Please help me. I cannot leave this, this drinking, this dirt. And I went to bed, and then the day after, Mexican house, they have a tequila on, on Fridays, beer, you name it. I used to salivate. After that, no more. I haven't had a tequila. Nothing. It's like water to me. It's a waste of time. And so on and so forth. Uh, alcohol, weed, anything and everything. Even the, the lying, the, you name it, because you want to see the face of the Lord. So you leave it all behind. So... All of these things happen even uh, after I got baptized uh, on COVID. During COVID, it's a part of my testimony as well because I would get on my knees for everybody I knew that was sick. And I would say, Lord, please, if you let them live through the ICU, I will go tell them what you've done for me. And they made it. So I was like, okay, now I've got to go tell them. <laughs> they made it. Even a dog with a... Parvo, my, my brother-in-law had his dog with Parvo, and he was crying. Uh, and I said, oh, you little fave, you know. <laughs> I didn't tell him what I was going to do, but I got in his room, and I started praying for the dog, and the Lord let that dog live. Anything and everything. Every day, if my work is, is slowing down, I get on my knees, and I pray, and I get phone calls. So, so I say, Lord, before I'm a handyman, I'm a Christian, so please open the way. Uh, the other day, also, the brothers, uh, they kept on telling me to pray, uh, to close all the doors that don't need to be open and to open all the doors that are closed that need to be open. And uh, Brother Jimmy told me that. But another brother had told me that on the same day. So I take it as, when it's my brothers and I know they're in the spirit, I take it as the spirit. Just yesterday, I'm, I feel so blessed. I pray, Lord, show yourself to me. When, when I feel like I'm losing the faith, I don't... I don't want to not share the gospel. I don't want to be the one that it says, uh, you did your own thing. You know, you hid your talent. I gave you all of these things. Oh, which, by the way, I prayed to see how many talents I got. And I got a dream. I got seven talents. <laughs> so, so I was like, Lord, I, I, please, please, don't let me go to waste. I, I, I feel like I have a lot to repay. So I didn't ask to share my testimony here. But Brother Joe told me uh, to, do, to do it at the retreat. And I... I feel like Esther. If the Lord doesn't do it through me, he's going to do it through someone else. So it better be me because I want to see his face. And God is so good to us. I just pray that if you haven't felt the Holy Spirit moving in your life, keep on asking. Go on asking. It's, that is very biblical. And he is your father. Just yesterday, one of my clients uh, that uh, just came out of the blue, uh, sometimes they don't even know where they get my number. I gave her my testimony. It's an Armenian, but you know how some Armenians, they say they're Christian because they're Armenian, and they're not. So lovingly, you kind of show them, you know. I shared my testimony with her, and just yesterday, I was working at her house, and I was feeling tempted to go into their fridge by myself and get a water. I was like, let me go, because she wasn't around. She came with two waters. As I'm thinking about it, she comes with two waters, puts one on the fridge, and she gives me one to drink with peaches, more than I asked for. <laughs> and, and I'm praising the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, you're so good to me. You, you always lift me up like this. I, how can I deny you? I, I feel like if I stay quiet, I'm hindering the Spirit. 
So I opened the fridge for a second water. There's a Red Bull, and I'm tempted. Oh, I'm going to have a Red Bull. <laughs> but it's so bad for me, so I have the, the fight. You know, I'm trying to lose weight as well. So She called me. She's like, do you want a coffee from Starbucks? I'll get you a coffee. So she got me the coffee. So I, so I wouldn't break my conviction. And uh, just like that, every day, at least once a week, at least, it's always his presence felt. Just because we do what he says. Seek him with prayer every morning before you even look at your phone, before you tend your dogs, reach out for the Lord, and he'll reach back to you. So I got like three minutes. <laughs> but just like that, I, I don't know how else. I love you guys. Uh, also, since I left the, the gang life, uh, that's where I was training. I felt so Backstabbed. And I didn't even tell you. That's how I left the gang, the gang actually. I was just ranting. The last ritual I went to that people wouldn't get, uh, the person wouldn't get possessed, I stepped out of the circle. And I got hit. I fell on my back. And I just, my hands just started throwing rocks. And, and I said my hands because I could see, but I couldn't move my body anymore. I was demon possessed. These guys that I was with doing the witchery, Guess what their reaction was? They grabbed me by my hands and legs, and they were going to throw me in the fire. They, they were carrying me already, four guys, to throw me in the fire. But the, the person that would get possessed got possessed, and he asked, hey, what's going on? And they said, you know, he faltered, so we're going to offer him Aztecs and Mayans offer people. They burn them. They pull out their heart. <sighs> I was so scared. And uh, the person that would get possessed got possessed. He, he just said to put me on the ground, put his hand behind my, uh, my head, lifted me with one hand, and the demon was out. And that's why I stopped doing uh, the Mayan thing. I was so excited to go to, to Jesus first that I almost forgot about that little detail, you know. But I'm in demon possessed, yeah. That's also part of my testimony. So, so sometimes when I'm witnessing to people and they get too scared, I say, okay. Just know that Jesus saves. Whatever you're going through, he'll take it away. He'll make you a new person. Amen. That's it. That's all I got to say, guys. God bless you. I, I love you so much. It's a, it's a new life. Here comes brother to say the day. <laughs> Isn't Tony a beautiful brother? And he's got a beautiful wife, Vicky. We love you guys. And it was, uh, thank you for sharing that testimony, bro. And uh, he's so good. And I've only heard little tiny pieces of his testimony, but he shared a few times with me. And, and uh, didn't realize we got in that deep of darkness, you know. But Jesus saves. As he said at the end, we exalt Jesus in our testimony. Amen. Give him glory for setting us free. And uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, and you may be in some deep stuff, you know, or you may be just in the periphery, but if you don't know Christ, you're just as lost. But you get saved through coming to Christ, admitting you're a sinner and recognizing what he's done for you. So if you haven't cried out to the name of the Lord Jesus yet, it's important you do it. You cry out to the person of Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. So make sure you do that. Amen. 
And I want to encourage you, everybody, please stand. Tony, we thank you for bearing your heart, man. That was such a moving testimony. You didn't only share with the, 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 the house here, of the Lord, but uh, a ton of other people as well that were hopefully edified. And uh, hopefully they'll pass on this uh, message to others that are caught in darkness so they can see the light of Christ and also know how to give your testimony, amen, to, to point people to Jesus, amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, the Apostle Paul, right? For it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who what? Believes, man. Salvation is a free gift through Christ, amen. So put your faith in him so you can be set free. Otherwise, you're under those same powers. You may not even get possessed, but you're owned by the evil one until you surrender to Christ. And then you have a new life in Christ, amen. So share your testimony. Were you moved by his testimony? Guess what? You share your, amen. Praise God. Well, a young guy shared his testimony with me today, and it moved me. I shared some of my testimony with him. And we need to share our testimony with the lost so they can come to Christ. And also with believers to encourage them in the faith. Amen. So praise God. What an awesome God we have. Hopefully you've been blessed tonight. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. Amen. We love you, Father. We praise you for the salvation that we have in your son and for your great love for us, Father. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we have, you guys. Hey, praise God for you guys. I'll see you Sunday, if not sooner. I'll give somebody a big hug. Have a beautiful, glorious night in Jesus. God bless you guys. Thanks.